Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, if you're looking for the site for this episode, it is episode number 50. So caveofthecross.com slash EP50 for all the show notes for whatever we might put on there, or our musings. Uh, <laughs> and sadly, or happily, or bittersweetly, uh, we're coming to the last chapter, chapter 19 of Dr. Mitch Stokes' book, uh, How to Be an Atheist, Why Many Skeptics Aren't Skeptical Enough, and... Uh, we got into the very fun and always uplifting nihilism last time, and we're going to come to the realization of what nihilism kind of uh, uh, leads us to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's where we'll end it, and we won't have a hopeful message whatsoever. So, uh, But no, uh, th- this is this has kind of been the, the uh, leading up to it, uh, you know. Um, the, the universe could have uh, all the meaning in the world, although it can't really tell us anything because the universe isn't sentient or personal. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and now uh, with uh, Dr. Stokes' uh, claim that um, value is just determined by those who value, um, it's whether or not we can uh, find value within ourselves or if there are person, as in, uh, I should say human independent, not person right. independent, right. Mm-hmm. human independent, uh, uh, values, and um, and so nihilism. Uh, we looked at last time. Um, this is chapter nineteen. What's the point of it all? And in uh, chapter eighteen, we we define uh, nihilism and said that uh, that it's not that they deny objective truth or, or uh, a moral truth. It's that there are any moral standards whatsoever. Right. That's or the, that there are any standards that are human independent. Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, uh, Dr. Stokes goes in uh, to this chapter says that uh, he's arguing that all value, not merely the moral kind, requires a valiant subject. And so uh, the argued uh, that moral nihilism is true, but nihilism in general, uh, not only is uh, moral nihilism true, but that nihilism in general is true if nat- naturalism is true. So it leads from the worldview of naturalism. That is, naturalism implies plain old nihilism. Nihilism uh, goes uh, straight to the point. Uh, Nihilism implies that there's nothing objectively valuable about our lives, nothing independent of us anyway. Our lives have no objective worth or meaning. So again, uh, happy, happy chapter. (laughs) Uh, He goes on to talk about it seems easier for naturalists to be nihilists when it comes to life's meaning then when it comes to moral nihilism, which seems odd, you know, you mm-hmm. don't subscribe any meaning to the universe, okay, but then you follow the path of logic down, and uh, when it comes to me- the meaning of life, uh, it, it gets a, uh, not so straightforward. Which yeah, so, and it's kind of really inconsistent, right? I mean, it, the, so what he's going the argument he's going to make here is that uh, nihilism is okay with regard to the um, meaning of the universe, right? There is no meaning, there is no purpose, that kind of stuff. Right. But they don't want to go there when it comes to morality. Mm-hmm. Right? They want to know. They want morality to be objective and meaningful, and you know, and that sort of thing. Well, and he's suggesting here that you really can't have it both ways. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it would be odd uh, to 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 find out that life has no meaning. Uh, in the grand scheme of the universe, uh, but then uh, when it comes down to your personal uh, ideas, then they suddenly uh, spring forth. But yeah. but we'll 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 get into that. Um, so uh, our our feelings about moral values are much stronger than our feelings about life's values, which uh, seems to be uh, the the odd part here. Yeah. <laughs> life's life meaning. Uh, 
with nihilism, with respect to life's meanings, uh, they tend to be um, shallow moral nihilists. Um, we look at uh, uh, that. Uh, we looked at uh, human life and then said that. Uh, the race is slow, sure, sure, doom falls, pitless and dark, blind to good, reckless of destruction, omnipotent matter rolls on, it's relentlessly. Yeah, so this is a quote from a very, very famous piece by Bertrand Russell mm -hmm. in his uh, A Free Man's Worship, yeah. right? Yeah, early in Russell's uh, career. Right, in, mm -hmm. in uh, 1903. Yeah. Uh, he tells us how we might find hope and meaning in life, though, <clears throat> given that man's origins, his growth, his hope, his fears, his loves, and his beliefs are the outcome of accidental collations of atoms. Only a firm foundation of unyielding despair, this is Russell, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Mm -hmm. well, all right, then. <laughs> <clears throat> um, uh, other nihilists have, have suggested that we find meaning within our own lives. So, all right, all right, there, there is hope here. Uh, however, the, the more the universe seems comprehensible, the more it also seems pointless. The great Dawkins himself even said that the universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at the bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitless indifference. Um, and obviously that's not an argument, but, uh, but uh, this is kind of the conclusions that we're drawing from a naturalistic perspective and we're, we're where we definitely can't say that there is a God. We can't say that uh, that uh, there, there's uh, meaning able to be found outside um, the universe or anything natural. Everything has to um, stem from naturalism. Yeah, so so what he's doing here is he's showing that these various naturalists, right, atheists even, uh, are, are have no problem. In fact, they're saying there's no meaning to life, mm -hmm. that it's just meaningless, right? Uh, pitiless, you know, chance, um, indifference. That's what life is all about. And so he quotes, you know, person after person after person here mm -hmm. to show that this is where they are with regard to the meaning of life. Right. Right. Uh, Camus from the myth of Sisyphus uh, says there is only there is but one truly serious philosophical problem, and that is of suicide. Yeah. Historics, aside, he has a point. Judging whether life is or is not worth living amounts to answering the fundamental question of philosophy. All the rest, whether or not the world has three dimensions, whatever the mind has uh, nine or twelve categories, comes afterwards. It's whether or not the, there's too much uh, pain, suffering, whether or not you can take it, whether uh, you can find the the fortitude to get out of bed, um, whatever meaning that you can subscribe to it, and whether th that on one side of the scale is is able to outweigh just ending it all because of how terrible life is. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, it's just, it's meaningless, purposeless, it has no point, is the point that Camus is trying to make mm -hmm. here. And so he's suggesting, you know, then why just... Just you know, chuck it, chuck it out. You know right. why? You know why live it out? Why go through all the <laughs> struggles and problems, especially if it's just meaningless, purposeless, and there's no, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Why should we then struggle through life, right? And so that's the that's the point of his um, myth of Sisyphus, Sisyphus here. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, he has Sisyphus kind of raising his fist and saying, "Well, I'm going to grunt it out anyway." Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was too. Like uh, the 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 whole story of Sisyphus is that 
I, he kind of understood his punishment going in, and he's at, at the end of the of the at least the original story. He's happy to have helped mankind out, and so he's more than happy to do the unending, you know, plight of continuously rolling, rolling the boulder, up the boulder, boulder up the watching hill. it fall back yeah. down, going down and getting right. it, and rolling it back yeah. up throughout all eternity. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, I mean, the, the Greeks were always nice about that. They yeah. didn't want society to kill themselves either, even with uh, uh, um, Prometheus. You know, Prometheus has eagles come by and pluck his eyes out that regenerate every single day, and he's happy <laughs> to have given us fire. So so thanks, uh, Prometheus and Sisyphus, for helping us out. So, um yeah, uh, but but here the, the the main question is, you know, whether or not suicide is the it's the primary uh, philosophical question yeah. ab- above everything. All right, and so uh, so where do we go from here? Well, he says it's kind of up to you, right? Is right. where they kind of land here. In other words, if it's there's no point to it, there's no purpose, there's no meaning. Then what do we do, right? right. How, how do we handle that, yeah. right? right. And, and and is there a way to come up with something that allows us to avoid, you know, uh, the Sisyphus, you know, uh, uh, situation here or suicide or whatever? And he says, yeah. It's in this section. He says it's kind of up to you. He says Russell says in the face of these potentially disheartening truths that we can still choose to live purposeful and meaningful lives. So it's what we choose to do, right? Even though in actuality we must submit perpetually to the uh, tyrannical tyranny tyranny rather, of outside forces. He says uh, we can at least in thought and aspiration, so here's a quoting from Russell's piece again, consider ourselves free from our fellow men, free from the uh, uh, petty planet on which our bodies impotently crawl, free even, while we live from the tyranny of death, right? So we can choose to do this. So that's kind of their way out here. Our particular individual subjective choice is, is how we get around this meaninglessness. Right. Of it, right? They're, they're, they're trying to give you the Tony Robbins approach of, uh, <laughs> of you know, continuing on with life. Even though there's no ultimate purpose, right? And so he says. Even, even so, he says. Uh, now you might think that this is uh, this worry over the lack of ultimate purpose in the universe is really just something that overly sensitive <laughs> philosophers fret about, right? Uh, so Kyle Nielsen, Kyle uh, Nielsen remind, uh, recommends that we just kind of stop whining, mm-hmm. right? And um, and uh, we know we must die, and so you know we'd rather not. But why? Why do we suffer this angst, right? and engage in all of these theatrics and that sort of thing. Why not simply face it and get on with living our lives, right, is what Nielsen here is saying. Nagel, he quotes, uh, says that it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Why not, he says, adopt the following attitude. It's enough that it matters whether I get to the station before my train (laughs) leaves or whether I remember to feed the cat. I don't need more than that to keep going. So there. I remember to feed my cat. Ah, I have a purpose and meaning and <laughs> to life. Woohoo! So you know, I, <laughs> right? Yeah. He concedes uh, this is a perfectly good reply, but he cautions it's it only works. Notice it only works uh, if you really can avoid setting your sights higher right. and asking you know what the point of the whole thing is. So if you can just tone it down and just worry about catching the train or mm-hmm. feeding the cat. 
then probably you can get by. But if, of course, if you look even higher than that, ultimate meaning questions, you're in trouble. Right. right? <laughs> well, it's no wonder that uh, kind of in our earliest uh, chapters of this book, you know, why did they throw out the philosophers? Because the philosophers are asking these questions that the, the, the theology folks are asking the, the bigger questions. And, yeah. of course, I mean, that's one of the, the main three questions uh, that, that, um, that he uh, brought up with um, – with respect to uh, Hawkins and um, to, uh, I think Carl Sagan was another one. Um, you know, the, the, there's a reason that people go uh, to kind of these bigger name scientists, and some of their questions are, okay, so now what? Or, you know, if you could destroy all religion tomorrow, would you? And um, even, you know, even uh, some of the most uh, adamant uh, new atheists have said, well, no. And s some have even said, uh, most recently in in the news that uh, that we see a decline in um, kind of uh, Western morality uh, because of a decline in uh, in religious uh, adherence. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So if there's no foundation for it, no motivation, we might right. say for it. Then why do it? Yeah. Right? If you can get away with it, and there's no real motivation for it. Hey, go I mean, for it. Right? You're, you're just idea, pretty much right? navel-gazing yeah. at, at this point. You don't want to look higher than the horizon of your, your field of view. You definitely don't want to look at your children. You don't want to you know, look at the, 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 the people in your lives around you because then you might live outside yourself even for a little bit, and and it could all come crashing down. And feeding the cat might, <laughs> might, might be the, the base level that you can go to, 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 to be like that. Well, remembering to feed the cat. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the point he's trying to make is uh, that uh, these folks are suggesting that you make your own meaning, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's the idea, that a person values something. Uh, when a person values something, that's what makes it valuable. That's what valuable is all about since, there, since there's no concept of value here, um, you know, other than what individual persons value. So if you want your life to have meaning, he says, uh, you only need to find it meaningful. Right. And, and you do that by creating your own value. <laughs> if meaning is really grounded in then the valuer, then we'll never find meaning outside of persons, which is, you know, what part of the point he's trying to make here. Right. And so there is no meaning from the universe's point of view. Right. Right. Because the universe isn't the type of thing that has meanings. Only persons or valuers can have value mm -hmm. and meaning and purpose and that sort of thing. Right. So in one sense, the bar is set very low. If you find something meaningful, then it's meaningful. If you value something, then it's valuable. Right. That's the basic idea. You create it. You, you know, it comes from you. Um, your values, he says, are not my values, so we have different values, just like our feelings are different and our beliefs are different. And, of course, you know, he says you and I can value the same kinds of things, right? That is, we can both value, uh, for example, communism, education, world peace, and that sort of thing. But our values and our uh, that sort of thing are, and just like our feelings and our beliefs, can be different, mm -hmm. right? So if that's the case, the <coughs> idea here is that there is no ultimate Value. Mm -hmm. It's just what each individual, or at least what they're suggesting here, because uh, they've given up the notion that there is, right, uh, ultimate value. So it's only what each individual has, what each individual values. And of course, if it comes down to 
did I catch the train or, you know, did I remember to feed my cat? <laughs> Clearly, that's not an ultimate value. And it's rather petty. Yeah. You know? I, I just I just think what what would happen if, if these guys are walking along and they cross a bridge and they see someone just up on the ledge. You know, I'm ready to jump. They're like, well, have you found personal meaning within your life? Yeah. No? All right, I guess you're free yeah. to do so. You need some help? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here are some suggestions for me. Uh, you know, did you feed your cat? I don't own a cat. All right, well, good luck. Yeah, that's you know? right. Like, hey, are you missing? Yeah. Were you going to catch a train? Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Oops. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You, yeah. you know, I, I, I doubt they would have a, such a, a flippant response to someone in actual peril. There, there's a desire for, I think, most decent people to, to you know, when confronted with something of someone saying, oh, you know, you know, I'm threatening suicide, you know, there's, there's desire to go, go talk to somebody, you know, there, you, you value that person's life, even if they're a stranger. And so, it, you know, there's no response of, of, you know, in the news, uh, someone committed suicide. Oh, well, I guess, uh, they made the choice of whether or not their life had value and they couldn't come up with anything. Right. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah, because yeah, there is no ultimate value. It's just whatever people choose or determine. Right, th that's valuable yeah. for them. And, and yeah. so they they weighed the side of the scales and found that life is too hard, and 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 they, they didn't they didn't want to be on this side of it anymore. And that that's it. And then, uh, good, uh, you know, we stop global warming that way, and we feed the worms that way. Uh, you know, all, all the implications that that stem from it. But I, I doubt anyone really has that that flippant you know, respect for life that they should. Or disrespect and and, 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 and yeah, and, and yeah. that's and that's the uh that that's that's the whole point of, of Dr. Stokes' book here is that they should be having these types of thoughts and they don't and so they're being inconsistent within right. their own worldview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're so, not they're not uh, skeptical enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or atheistic enough or naturalistic enough <laughs> or nihilistic <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. All the things that follow from it. So what is an atheist to do? Well, uh, according to uh, th their uh, worldview for life, there's nothing atheists should do about it. There's <laughs> there's the thing, the shoulds and coulds, or yeah. the oughts. Yeah. You know, yeah. What ought I must do? What should I do? Well, there, From a naturalistic, nihilistic point of view, there are no oughts or right. shoulds, right. right? Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, nihilism wouldn't dictate how we ought to behave at all. If you can keep yourself from asking too many questions and ignore nihilism implication, then you're fine. Yeah, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Right. right? <laughs> uh, you need not feel bothered by it, or you might, whatever. And I think there's uh, all good things can be summed up in, in Simpson's quote, and uh, the, the quote is meh. It it's, doesn't even elicit that much of a response. It's, you know, what should I be doing? Meh. There, there's, there's no answer in that. What, whatever you want, but at the same time, you don't even have to do whatever you want. Um, so uh, uh, Hume uh, points out uh, it's true. Uh, so fatal an event is very little to be dreaded. Nature is always too strong for principles, and uh, through a skeptic may, th as, uh, and though a uh, skeptic may throw himself and others into momentary amazement and confusion by a profound reasoning first and most trivial event in life will put to flight all his doubts and scruples. And when he's awake uh, from his dream, he will be fit to join in the laugh against himself and confess that all his objections were mere amusements, can have no other tendency 
than to show the whimsical conditions of mankind who must act in reason and believe. Yeah, so so he's suggesting here that <laughs> they treat this in the same way that philosophers uh, respond to skepticism about the external world. Right? right. There's no good arguments that say we're not a brain in a vat, mm-hmm. right? And so... Or there are other minds. Yeah, yeah, oh. that sort of thing. Yep, you're, you're right. That, that You know, I can't prove that there are other minds. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and so uh, uh, that nihilism is true will usually continue to feel that life has uh, meaning enough to carry on. Uh, and introspection by itself cannot overcome natural selection, as Rosenberg would say. So uh, the idea that uh, evolution will save us uh, that we that we looked at last chapter, you know, it, it doesn't seem like once you subscribe to nihilism, you, you, you know, have a Heaven's Gate cult type exit from this world of, you know, philosophy students that are, you know, following the nihilistic professor. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it always seems like there's enough there to catch them from falling into this kind of uh, most basic of questions that, that uh, we've come to, uh, to, to see, see that nihilism should, should uh, ask, uh, that not should, should <laughs> yeah. that logically follows <laughs> might possibly occur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Sartre would say uh, um, our will to live is unreasonably resolved. People in the worst conditions imaginable will struggle obsessively to survive. And we see that, too, uh, statistically speaking. It's uh, in, in, in well, right now, I, sh- I should say, in the Western world, it is uh, uh, suicide is predominantly by white, affluent Males. That that that's who are most apt to kill themselves. Yet society says that white affluent males are the most are those who have the most to live for. Yeah. Why don't we see a mass, you know, suicide rate of lower incomes, the poor, uh, people of minority, people who are facing persecution? Why don't we see suicides a mass rate in in uh, you know during slavery? Um, you know, how come, you know, and, and that's through the history of the world. That's not, you know, the, in Roman times, there wasn't slaves just, you know, offing themselves left and right because of their predicament. You still had um, a desire, a, a, a will to live. And so um, for the nihilist, all you can say is uh, it's natural selection, it's evolution, it's ingrained in you. But at the same time, as we looked at in a couple of past chapters, is you can always override your programming of of you know the evolution bot inside of you of yeah. uh, you know reproduce 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 well I don't want to that's right okay or, or live morally because you know uh, it, it it promotes the species well I don't, <laughs> that's the whole issue you know right you know, people don't oftentimes don't live morally right, right? and yeah. so they've overridden we might suggest <laughs> right, right? Yeah. exactly and so good old Rosenberg here says uh, take two of whatever neuropharmacology prescribes. And he goes through a whole list of different <laughs> drugs that you can take. So essentially, uh, you know, it's a chemical imbalance because that's all we are. We're just a bag of chemicals. And so all, all you need to, to get through life is just enough time on, you know, your prescription Zoloft or, uh, you know, uh, Paxil or whatever, whatever type of drug, right. uh, you know, heroin, cocaine, meth. You know, right. uh, what, whatever it is to, that gets you right to, to all of a sudden you find meaning in life. Right. So so the point here he's making is he says that even naturalists who are convinced by reason that nihilism is true usually continue to feel that life has meaning enough to carry on. Right. But what if they don't feel that 
Well, then get your feelings from drugs, yeah. right? And that will help you to carry on. He says after what, two weeks or so, three weeks, <laughs> then you're good to go. Right. right? It's, it's definitely a chemical imbalance because, you know, you, you are a bag of chemicals that have evolved to this point and your ancestors didn't kill themselves. So, uh, you know, you need to survive in order to perpetuate the species. And so what's wrong with you is a mutation inside of you. And that's a bad mutation, not like the good mutations of, you know, of being scared of uh, of scary movies that, re you know, result from being scared of, you know, the tiger in the grass that your ancestors somehow had a gene for that and it carried <laughs> through uh, in order for you to be scared of scary movies. So um, drugs, drugs is the answer. So drugs and suicide. Right. So, again, we're, we're, we're a happy, happy bunch yeah. on, on this on this part. Yeah. <laughs> So he kind of ends this section, this chapter, and in fact, the book, yeah. right, by um, by suggesting how maybe theism makes, how does theism make things any different, right? And uh, so we should probably read at least kind of large sections of this because this is kind of, uh, you know, kind of his concluding uh, remarks here in yeah. terms of what he's really aiming at. Yeah, it sums up the book, the chapter. Uh, and, and this section. Yeah, he says, a person-dependent value and meaning raises a number of important questions for Christians and other theists. For one thing, can God provide our lives with meaning? Can God do that, right? He says, yes, in the sense that we can value him and his values. And of course, many things can do that. Right, many things uh, can provide us with meaning. We can value those and that right. sort of thing. Atheists right, atheists are true that you can pick your, your cat, your train, all these things with meaning. It's just whether or not it's good enough to right. get you. Exactly. In other words, yeah. So he says, you know, we can value <laughs> communism, gardening, painting, whatever. There, there are lots of things. But so he says, so then is God just one choice among all of these various things that we can value, mm -hmm. right? He says, well, on the one hand, God is different, right? That it's uh, that is literally God is holy or set apart. So mm -hmm. God is different, yeah. right? According to Christians. Um, um, he designed and created the universe and now continually keeps it in existence and running up to code. The universe and all its furniture, including us, are his, and he is the ultimate authority regardless of what we think of it. So, you know, some of us interpret this authority as that of a loving father mm -hmm. and others as that of a cruel dictator, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, here's the issue. Well, let's value something. Well, let's value God. Theists value God. Christians value God. Well, is he then, if we can value anything, is he's just a, a part of the list and we choose to do that? No, God is different. Clearly, God is different, right? right. The theistic God, the Christian God is different. He's a holy, set-apart creator, sustainer of the universe, and he has ultimate authority because he created it all, right? Yeah, he's, a, he's a different being than our being. Yeah, Moreover, he says that God has designed us so that we function properly. Notice this, only when we love the things that he loves and hate the things that he hates. Mm -hmm. So that's when we function properly. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. That's how God designed us, right? We are made to value the things he values. We flourish when our preferences align with his, right? right? So this includes our goals, purposes, and meaning. Uh, in life, they should match his, at least insofar as we're able to as creatures. We're happiest when things go right in this way. And because this is, uh, you know, God's show, the things that he finds meaningful are as objective as things get in that they're 
uh, human independent, and that's the idea of objectivity, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they, they're, they're not just based on what we think or what we feel or our opinions or that sort of thing. They're independent of us. Not person independent, right? right? Because right. value is, is he's, he's been arguing all along, you have to have a person in order to, a naked, you know, barren universe doesn't have value. You have to have a person in order to have value, mm -hmm. right? And so it's not person independent, um, but it's human independent, right? He says there are, in a very real sense, eternal values because God is a, an eternal being. But he says, uh, so on one hand, on the one hand, God is different. So, you know, we just can't choose anything if God is different, right? He's holy and he's a creator, right? But on the other hand, he says that we can, in some sense, choose God from among other things. How's that so? Right. Well, he says this is pretty plain. Yeah. After all, uh, we often don't value what God values. We frequently find meaning where he finds little or none, right? And um, uh, the footnote here is interesting. And so mm -hmm. I, I want to yeah. read this here. He says, of course, the term find is dangerous because it can be misleading in precisely the way I've been guarding against. There aren't meanings out there. Again, that's right. his point, to be found. So maybe a better way to put it is to replace we find meaning with we value. In that case, we would say instead that we sometimes value things that God doesn't value. Right. right? So that's, that's yeah. the... That's so, the so for the atheist that finds value in feeding their cat, there's no finding value in feeding the cat. It's, you know, that, that's the, the, the value that they subscribe to themselves so right. that they can get on with their life. So it's not a, it's not a, I, oh, I found it. Here's the answer. It's a, this is what I'm taking as my, my ultimate standard of, of value. And so, um, you know, here's his, um, he says we can, uh, you know, choose to align with God or not. But the point is this, the cosmos is profoundly personal. It's a place where the highest value turns out to be a place uh, placed on relationships, mm -hmm. right? That's what the highest value is. God calls us to a relationship of mutual love. In fact, God himself uh, is a relationship among persons, according to the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. And it's only in the proper uh, relation to these persons that we find value and meaning that are ultimately satisfying. Now, he says that, you know, he's presenting, an, he's not presenting an argument here, right? Um, uh, he's merely explaining how Christians can make sense of the view that all value and meanings are subjective or personal or person dependent. So, of course, he says, if what I say here is right, then there's also a sense in which there's objective value in the human independent sense, namely God's values. So, again, he makes the point that uh, objectivity is, is different than the subjective relative value that we individually have or even collectively, right? Mm -hmm. It has to do with uh, God's value. Right. And that's what makes it a human, it's what makes it objective because it's human independent, right? It's kind of like, and I think we've probably, uh, uh, you know, talked about this illustration before, right? The tallest mountain above sea level in the world is Mount Everest. Now notice, it's that regardless of what I believe, regardless of my opinions, regardless of what I think, it is objectively independent of my beliefs mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and judgments and, and uh, you know, opinions, uh, the tallest mountain above sea level. Well, that's the kind of point, so, so that's the idea of objectivity. It's independent of human, you know, 
of thinking and belief and that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. he's saying here values are, the, are ultimate values anyway, uh, objective values then, ha have to be um, centered in something other than our beliefs, our opinions, or just what we value, right? Otherwise, it is just subjective and it is, you know, it's, uh, uh, it isn't objective and therefore, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, I, I, I have to remember to feed the cat well. You know? Yeah, I don't that, want to remember. Yeah, yeah. That is not an objective value. That's a subjective value, you know, and what good is it? All right? God makes objective value because yeah. they are human independent because they're what God values. All right? He says, and here we come to the point of why I've jumped up and down on the fact that value is ultimately personal. We theists typically argue that our view makes sense of objective moral and natural laws. Now, he thinks this is a mistake, right? We say, you know, what makes sense of moral laws is that, you know, um, the idea that they're objective, that they're independent, mm -hmm. right? He says, but this is a mistake. To be sure, I think a theist view of the cosmos makes better sense of our world, and the Christian view does this best of all. But as long as we continue to argue for objective values and laws in the full-blooded person-independent and therefore God-independent sense of objective, we naturally give the impression that there are such things. But there aren't. The universe in and of itself doesn't have any of these things, right? You have to have a person, right? And for it to be... Um, you know, objective and valuable, mm -hmm. right? He says, uh, so we unintentionally perpetuate the lie that there is an impersonal view of uh, the universe. You know, what Nagel said, a view from nowhere. Uh, this lie, he says, has kept the Enlightenment project alive and is why the atheists like uh, Harris continue to search for an impersonal ground of moral value. But there can be no such thing as an impersonal ground a naturalistic ground for moral value. His point is because values are personal, right. you have to have a person. And if you want ultimate value, you have to have an ultimate person, right? Um, and he says, what we cherish most is personal and indeed relational. And as the old hymn puts it, this is my father's world, <laughs> right? And then we turn the page and there's nothing else left. Right. So that's how he ends this particular chapter, mm -hmm. right? right? <laughs> yeah, so his his objection here is kind of uh, we have bad terminology at times. Where where especially for presuppositionalists, we always say you know, you know oh that's just your opinion. What is an objective you know standard for telling the truth? And so <clears throat> we we tend to to want to kind of cut off the knees of of any other objection, uh, and rightfully so because uh, we we do ultimately believe it of you know, having the law take the place or uh, convention of society or whatever, uh, you know, the, the grand poobah says. Um, and so uh, his, his, his grounding in this value, valuer stance doesn't, doesn't undermine that. It makes uh, a clarification more possible by saying, okay, we're looking for an, uh, a, uh, a human independent value because anything else is just subjective and we can go round and round of, you know, and whether, relative and therefore, right, you know, chocolate and, and yeah, vanilla ice yeah, cream yeah, arguments are just yeah. the same as should we, you know, <laughs> kill the unborn. Right. And so if we have, or kill our neighbor. <laughs> yeah. If, if we have this, this, uh, argument of having a person independent, then, then we remove it to a, 
you know, uh, uh, okay, does the universe have meaning? And and so we want to avoid that by saying value only comes from a valuer. And ultimately, the, the, the biggest valuer should be God because he's different from us, but at the same time, he's relational. And we see that in 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 the idea of the Trinity, you know, the um, God doesn't need to learn love because he's exhibited love from eternity past because he's been in a relational a loving uh, 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 relationship with with the triune beings of of, of God, and so persons. Um, it, it, I'm sorry, in, yeah. in, in persons of God, and in the one being, and uh, we should also understand that being Creator, He is able to infuse into us a desire to be relational, to find meaning, and that Him communicating His meaning, His uh, what he values is the point of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. These are two greatest commandments. They're both relational. They're yeah. they're both relational. Wow. And yeah. so yeah. Um, that that's what we should desire because that's what our Creator made us to 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 be. And so there we're the most happiest we we should be, and we're the most happiest too once we get over our our human dependent view. And, and focus on on the nature and value that, that Christ gives to us with a new heart, replacing the heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh, and coming to um, have the proper relational aspect uh, within within the body of Christ. Yeah. And, so, um, yeah. that's and I really like what he says here, and so I'll repeat it here. He says, God has designed us so that we function properly only when we love the things he loves and hate the things he hates. Right. We're made to value the things he values. We flourish when our preferences align with his. Right. right? Yeah. That is so really rich. Yeah. It's really rich. Yeah. When we're, when we're told that we're made in the image of God, it means that we're the, the messengers of him. We, we go out into the world and every action that we take is a special action. Every, you know, relationship that we have, every, um, um, you know, uh, desire that we have over the creation, uh, we are reflecting who God is um, to all creation around us, including ourselves. And so uh, we should value each other, not because, you know, there are those people, but that in a proper understanding of the relationship with God, we're all image bearers of Christ, of, of God. And so uh, we should um, see each other as, as, mouthpieces for God, even if we're spewing hatred towards him, because <laughs> we're still made in, in his image to carry out his message. And, um, that, I mean, that, that, that's where kind of Romans one comes into of, of, uh, suppressing the truth and, un- and unrighteousness. There's still an understanding that, um, that people have a, uh, uh, a belief in God because their actions like, uh, the nihilist here trying to find meaning, uh, or, or, or try to uh, put forth their own means so they don't fall into what would be the logical progression of, of their of their worldview, and so um, that's what uh, that's what Genesis one uh, tells us, and that's what uh, uh, Romans one uh, goes on to tell us, and ultimately we we come into um, the the proper role uh, once we submit ourselves to Christ and and come under the full image bearing weight and be the messengers both of his image and then also of his message of salvation. Right. And it has to do with uh, our ability to relate. I mean, relationship is huge with regard to, you know, being created in the image of God. We can relate to one another. We can relate to God, right? We are moral beings, you know, uh, uh, 
in terms of being in the image of God. And so it's a, it's a complex of things here that, mm. uh, that, uh, that this image has to, has to do with. And that's the way God has made us. And therefore, as he says here, we flourish when our preferences align with his. Mm-hmm. You know? All right, so we've destroyed atheism, <laughs> or at least, uh, or at least we've shown that they're not atheists. skeptical enough, right? right? So, at least that's what uh, Dr. Mitch uh, right. Stokes has, has shown. Right? And, and so, you know, when Christians are called hypocrites, we rightfully say yes because we are not valuing the things that God values. We're definitely not valuing the things that we're telling other people to value. So we should live consistent lives, and that should give us an encouragement to strive uh, day by day. You know. To, Picking up our cross daily and following after mm-hmm. after God and, and conforming ourselves into the image of Christ because that way we're living more consistently, which falls in line with loving God more, valuing the things that He values, and uh, and then the world will see um, through our love, through our our, our um, understanding of, of our place, and um, and through the message of of the gospel uh, in our own lives and from our lips that uh, that uh, God ultimately. Um, desires that uh, from us, uh, that relationship. And so um, uh, I don't know what more to say about it, but it was, it was a good book. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think going through it was 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 definitely the right pick for us. And uh, hopefully you found value in this because uh, that's, that, that was kind of the, the, the point of the, the show was mm-hmm. was to say, here's a book that you might, you know, run across Barnes and Nobles if they're still open or on, on Amazon and say, oh, that that might be an interesting book. And not pick it up because of for whatever reason, um, and and so hopefully us breaking it down and uh, um, and listening to Tony a lot more um, it can uh, can help you realize that there are a lot of good um, theology and philosophy books out there that can help you in your walk uh, into uh, answering not just apologetic questions but um, just uh, how to be uh, relational to um, uh, each other in in the church or. Um, you know how to how to just carry forth God's message more with with confidence, and so uh, hopefully this book was uh, was a benefit to you. And uh, for our next episodes, two episodes for the end of the year, uh, we have an interview that we split into two, and then uh, our beginning of the year probably going to be some shorter episodes just to uh, give us the ability to kind of uh, pick and choose what next what our next book should be to 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 read together. And so if you have some suggestions, yeah, yeah, uh, leave them in the comments, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, still check all those. Uh, you can send us an email, Patrick at GaveTheCross.com. Send them soon because if, if we decide to choose one of them, we got to read the book and make sure that we understand what's going on <laughs> right. and then try yeah. to deal with it, right? And then if, if you have questions for this book, uh, send them because we might just do a, a kind of a little Q&A episode and see uh, where we might be at. Um, uh, and let us know if, if you if you like the book. If if you had uh, uh, different takes on on what was said, what we covered, or um, maybe you disagreed with with some aspect, uh, that that might be interesting too to discuss. And um, you know, I'm I'm online, so uh, you'll be interacting with me mostly. But maybe we'll bring it on the show and, and do some uh, Q and A stuff. So um, thanks for watching. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, sh- share and like, um, but mostly share. Um, you know the the individual clips too. Um, hopefully those are beneficial to you. That that um, you know you can pull pull some of those out to share with other people. Or uh, if it's just a, a a part in the whole episode at uh, you know 44 minutes that uh, you can find that one part and go oh yeah that was the point of it and <laughs> um, take off from there. So uh, thanks again and Thank uh, join us next time. See ya. <laughs>